Good evening and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I am your host, Casper. And I am your other host, Becky Gremlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because... Wednesdays, as always, are for podcasts. When we can. When we're not having bad mental well, usually, health days or usually, sick. Typically, Most mostly, <laughs> Wednesdays are for podcasts. So, guys, tonight we will be discussing the amazing 1992 film Candyman and the 2021 film Candyman. We will be talking about them in full. We will be giving spoilers, so just a heads up, but we will let you know before we start talking about the new one if you have not seen it yet. I was going to say, you've already said it twice, so you can't say it anymore now. It's five times, right? Yeah. So I get two more times. Three, three more times. So, um... But, I mean, if I say it five times, will Tony Todd appear? Because I absolutely love him. You're like, I <laughs> Um, So, we will be talking about them in full, like we normally do, giving our um, opinion or um, ratings and all that kind of fun stuff. But, before we get into it, as usual, a word from our sponsor. Calm your buddy down. <sighs> you know, I, I put an extra Jonas Brother on that. We watched... Me and my roommate watched the Jonas Brothers ver- or, uh, episode of Hot Ones, and it was really disappointing. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. They are, like, literally the first wing that Nick takes a bite of. He's already like, oh my god, this is so hot. Okay. It was awful. Sure. Like, y'all are pussies. You're not even- Seriously? <laughs> I'm just saying. You're like, I'm calling you out. That's it. Even though in the yeah, first, I like, mean, ten minutes of the entire thing, it's just Nick talking. I was like, is this the Jonas Brothers, or is this Nick? It's Nick and... It's Nick featuring. <laughs> Nick featuring Kevin and Joe. And the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Alright, guys. Um, So, we are still in pumpkin spice season. And um, the pumpkin spice bathroom... Bath bombs, obviously, are still available. Um, since there was no, um, I know a lot of places had Labor Day type sales. Um, I will be doing, because these, this week, within to next week, it's kind of crazy. So um, I will be doing an end of the month sale this month. Um, and then obviously there won't be another one until later, um, towards the end of the year. Um, so... You know, just keep checking back when that's available. Otherwise, um, everything is Calm Your Body Down. Find it on Etsy, free shipping. Social media is just Instagram, Calm Your Body Down. And that's it. Thank you. Calm your body down. All right, my dudes. We're going to be talking about the beautiful, amazing film of Candyman. The 1992 and the 2021 we probably we will not be discussing the sequels. I mean, we'll probably just be like, "Hey, there's sequels," but that's it. Right. Um, because we really wanted to heavily focus on the original and the remake, which is well, the remake. Um, so before we give any spoilers, um, we want to talk about the original because if you haven't seen the original by now, too bad. Uh, we will be talking about the original in full. So um, in twenty years. So. Oh, wow, it has. Damn near. Almost 20 years. Yeah. It's been... Wait. It's almost been 30 years. Well, 92. That's right. That's 
30. Well, 30. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, no, that's 30. 30. It's 30 years. Oh my God, 10 years ago was not Jesus. 90s. What is... I don't know. Apparently, in my brain, it has been. So 2012 was 20. Yeah. Wow. We're fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how to tell time. Clearly, it's it's truly fine. Um, um, we went to go see the new Candyman over the weekend. It was absolutely fantastic. The old Candyman came out in 1992. Uh, I had I just watched it last night for the first time in probably four years. Um, I hadn't seen it in a very long time. It's absolutely amazing for its time. For some reason, my brain thought it was made in the 80s. Which, I mean, in 92, that's close enough. But it was 92. Um, the effects and everything in the movie were great. I remember that Tony Todd actually had to fill his mouth with bees for that one part. That's a Right. I did want to mention real quick, too, just to give some... Because we'll go over this with both movies. Um... The original one got a 6.7 um, IMDb rating, and the remake got a 6.4 IMDb, so it's pretty damn close. Um, and anything over a, 6 on IMDb is pretty Right, we've mentioned that before. Yeah. 77% Rotten Tomatoes for the original, and 85% Rotten Tomatoes for the... Um, Reboot, sequel, I don't really know what the hell they're calling it. Um, really, we'll we'll get more into it with the sequel because the first one really flows into the um, this 2021 version, whatever you want to call it. Um, I guess reboot, maybe, because it does really, it, it takes the context of a lot of the original characters in the story of the first one right into the second one. Cause I watched it the day before. Um, so if you watch the original one and then go into the second one pretty shortly after, it's going to blow your mind. Cause you'll, if you retain enough memory of the original characters, it'll, it'll immediately come flooding back to you. And it was, that was just amazing to experience. But um, it was kind of interesting, too, that you had watched it right before we saw it, and I hadn't. But there were parts in it that helped me remember. Oh, and they do that. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. So I it was neat that. that we both kind of experienced it differently since you had just watched it and had the remembrance, and I didn't. I so that was really interesting. That to my husband. That mm -hmm. how cool that was that they did that if it hadn't been that long or if it had been that long since you had seen it that there was still enough of it that they put in there that you would remember it where you were like oh okay yeah I remember that um, especially really crucial parts right. of the story but yeah getting back to the special effects in the first one um, for sure for its time 30 years ago that was amazing what they were able to do because um Visual effects aside, there wasn't a whole lot that they had to do. I mean, besides um, prosthetics and um, their prosthetic work of was course, very the well done. Of course, the infamous B scene that I think a lot of people by now are familiar with the fact that those were real bees that Tony Todd had in his mouth at the time. Am um, I terrible that every time he says be my victim, I'm like, be my victim? You're like bees, bees, bees. Um, so there was something that I wanted to mention that gave inspiration to the original story. If a lot of people weren't aware of this, because I actually just 
recently became aware of this. Um, I started following a really interesting um, Instagram page that features a lot about um, stories in relation to maybe like unknown black history. The company's called Pushback. Um, and the Instagram handle is at we are pushback, push black, all one word. I'm sorry, it's push black, B-L-A-C-K. We are push black on Instagram. Um, they're amazing. And they featured a story uh, right before I saw the new movie, actually right before I saw the original, um, that I was completely unaware was tied to a real life story that was tied to the movie that I was completely unaware of. So the movie was inspired by a story that was written by um, Clive Barker. If people are familiar with Clive Barker, uh, Nightbreed, uh, Hellraiser. Um, he wrote a story called The Forbidden, which was basically adapted into Candyman and um there was also a real life story related to where uh because in the original short story clive barker is from england so it was featured in england and talked about the class systems of poor urban areas in england so they switched it and made it put it in america more specifically chicago to focus on you know prejudice and housing projects such as Cabrini Green, which they ultimately use, which is a real housing project in Chicago that they ultimately use for this for this movie, and then now the 2021 version. Um, there was a journalist that had uh, given a source from uh, a Chicago paper about a real life murder that happened in 1987 in a project not far from Cabrini Green called Abbott Holmes uh, about a woman named Ruthie Mae McCoy. Now there's a part in the original movie where the character played by Virginia Madsen, um, oh, I gosh, remember that name, Helen Lyle. Yeah. She's talking to these two women and uh, they live either near or around Cabrini Green and they start telling her the story of this woman named Ruthie Jean who was complaining about something in her wall or something on the other side of her medicine cabinet and nobody believed her. And then they found her dead in her apartment and said she had been slashed up and said it was Candyman. Well, in 1987, so mind you, this was five years before the original movie came out. There was a room, there was a woman named, there was a real life woman named Ruth May McCoy that lived in these projects near Cabrini Green. Now she had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Ruthie had a lot of mental problems growing up. Um, she was 52 years old by this time, had been in and out of mental hospitals, medication. She had mothered a daughter, but was ultimately living on her own by this time. And she had been saying that she had been hearing things in the walls and hearing something behind her medicine cabinet. Well, she called, um, a neighbor had called 911 one night complaining of hearing something. The police and I think the landlord came to the apartment and they didn't break down the door because they didn't want to damage it. And uh, 
maintenance guy or whatever had the wrong key, so they left. They actually didn't come back to the next day when the neighbor called 911 again. And when the police finally came back with the landlord, I think again this time, they took the door off the hinges or something like that. They somehow got the door off without damaging it. And that's when they found Ruthie shot dead. Um, I think at least like five gunshot wounds or something she had. And uh, what they ended up arresting two young men, one that was like 18, one that was 20 years old, because there were eyewitness reports. Now, mind you, around this time in these, you know, black neighborhoods, these poor black neighborhoods, even now, like witnesses, quote unquote, snitching, you didn't do that. And this one neighbor was brave enough to say that she had seen these two guys walking out of the apartment with Ruthie's TV. And they were the ones that ultimately shot her. So the adjacent apartment was empty. They had essentially taken the medicine cabinet off the wall and did come in through her bathroom and killed her just to rob her. Wow. I did not know so this. this. There's was, so much that lines up with the Candyman This was, movie. yeah. So, I mean, that's Ruthie May turned into Ruthie Jean and Abbott Holmes turned into Cabrini Green and that was one Was she really story. shot five times? Yeah, five she was. Is like, I think so. Iron that's ironic. Um, well, I mean, not ironic. Obviously, they did it for a reason, but... I can find out for sure. I'm sorry. No, it was four times. She was shot in her left shoulder, left thigh, right side of her abdomen, and right upper arm, and it was two men. Ted Turner, 18. John Honduras, 21. Charged with murder, home invasion, armed robbery, armed violence, and residential burglary. Um, stole her TV in a rocking chair. That's terrible. So, I did not know about that. Oh, my God. And so her daughter, Vernetta, sued the Chicago Housing Authority for the cause of her mother's death. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically the police left her there. I mean, who even knows if she was still alive? They didn't come back to the next day because they were worried about damaging the door. And the Can we talk about that for a second? Because so, when, when you were saying that part, I was like, I'm sorry, they didn't want to damage the door? Yeah. They didn't want to damage the door. It's a real life story, guys. You guys can look it up. It was published in the Chicago Tribune not long before. And actually, there was renewed interest in the story during... Now, this is what's so fucked up. During the trial of these two guys, the movie premiered. Because mind you, this was... I don't think that the trial didn't happen, I think, until like... 91 1990 1991 something like that so the movie actually premiered during or at the end of the trial for these two guys whoa so there was actually renewed interest in the story at least around chicago um during the time that the movie came out of these murders basically bringing to light a lot of the bullshit that was <laughs> coincidentally enough, touched in the 2021 version of Candyman about how just police completely fail and uh, white people just fail these neighborhoods and then gentrify them. And, um, and that's essentially what happened. I think Abbott Holmes was also, because um, again, they, that was the really beautiful, I mean, tragically beautiful thing that touched in the new one versus the original one was going back to Cabrini Green and seeing 
what had built around it that had all been gentrified since. And essentially, if people don't know what gentrification is, that's when poor, predominantly black neighborhoods are bought up by white housing development, typically white housing developments that say, oh, we want to bring better housing to you and more more availabilities. And essentially what they do is they start to raise the rents enough that they push the original tenants out and they put in a Whole Foods and now all of a sudden they have more white tenants. And if anybody lives in Cincinnati, that's essentially what happened over the Rhine. So um, that's all I'm going to say. But um, yeah, that's what gentrification is. So there was a real touch on how not only Cabrini Green was haunted by Candyman, but how was Candyman ultimately, like who really embodies Candyman? How was Candyman ultimately created? Was this really a physical person or was this the manifestation of just years of abuse of Black people within neighborhoods that were almost essentially created to segregate them until even those were stripped away by the very people that sort of put them there. So um, it was interesting. I, I loved it. Um, you know, the original one, though, was really interesting because it touched on, um, you know, a really big taboo, even at that time in 19, at the time in, in the early 90s, was interracial relationships. And to touch on the fact that um, Tony Todd's character, uh, essentially Candyman, um, uh, who, who he was in real life, was this man, um, Daniel Robitaille, I think that's how it's pronounced. He um, fell in love with this white woman who, well, he was essentially born of a free slave and became an artist. And was painting these rich white aristocrats and what they mentioned in the film committed the ultimate sin and fell in love with the white daughter of one of these rich white aristocrats. Um, I mean, they could have very well fell in love with each other, to be honest. It just unfortunately happened to be around a time that was, you know, did not do this big no-no. Um, they even have a daughter. Um, so this is, what I'm reading from Wikipedia, I don't know if this is mentioned later on in sequels. This would have been in like, and I don't even know if they mentioned this in the new one. They may have, I said it was 1865. They might have mentioned the exact date that Daniel was, um, how he ultimately became Candyman is that they took, they cut off his right hand. He was right-handed, so he couldn't paint anymore. They shoved the hook on it. They covered him in honey. They beat him. The bees ate him. They lit him on fire. Um, thus giving rise to the um, boogeyman as we now know as Candyman. So, and then you say his name five times to, is there any, in the mirror to, um, do you remember anything that was, uh, why it's five times? Was that ever discussed? No, I mean, I don't, I, you know, maybe they just wanted to do something. I don't even know if, and that's the original, so the original story that inspired is called the forbidden by, Clive Barker. I've never read the story. I don't even know 
because I know the um the Helen Lyle character is still the same, but I'm not I'm not really sure what changed now in the um the now in the original one again remember the whole like Chicago was changed from England there was no um nothing was mentioned as far as the race of who Candyman was and like that whole backstory about mm -hmm. being the son of a slave or anything right. like that it was just um I didn't think essentially there was. this story okay so the Candyman thing was real um it could have very well come from the original story too because it says here a small synopsis about the forbidden was that helen was a university student doing a thesis about graffiti in a rundown estate very similar to the movie helen doing thesis she's a university student um there was disturbing graffiti referencing an urban legend known as Candyman, which is in the movies recent murders mutilations related to she eventually encounters Candyman herself, just like in the movie. Um, so, I mean, if anybody's read that short story, The Forbidden by Clyde Barker, it's in, he did a six, a six series anthology from 1984 to 1985. There's three volumes of it. It's called Books of Blood and The Forbidden, actually Midnight Meat Train is in That's that familiar. series um that is a really good fucking movie if nobody's seen that please i think it's on 2b2 the original candy man and i think midnight meat train are both on 2b so midnight i think meat it train. is because i think it came up after i watched candy man i think it popped up on the bottom okay like it from, yeah like things that probably. you may be interested in or whatever probably because of the clive barker connection midnight meat train's fucking incredible if nobody's seen it but um yeah so the five thing I don't remember it all being that mentioned in the original movie. Um, it could have been mentioned in the story, but I I never read it. So I, even if it doesn't, it's just one of those things where you gotta kind of. And take to it be honest, value. I think it's like a variation of like so Bloody Mary. You only so you have the same context of it having to be said in a mirror, like Bloody Mary. But Bloody Mary was only said three times instead of five times, so they could have just added two more times to play excuse me, play off the variation from Bloody Mary. Maybe. That could have been a thing. Just to not keep with the... The same? The same exact thing. Like, change it in a way. I remember hearing about Candyman when I was real young. Um, and, like, someone told me, they're like, if you say his name five times in a mirror... And I did Bloody Mary and it worked, so I didn't do Candyman. I mean, I know it's supposedly <laughs> fake, but... Even after all these fucking years, I still haven't said that shit five times in the mirror. And I don't, I'm not going to do that. You know, no, like, I'm, I'm you okay. know, I don't chance at life like that. Like, I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need that. No, I don't need any of that in my life. So, um, a little interesting fun fact. Eddie Murphy was originally a choice for Candyman. What? I'm really glad that didn't <laughs> fucking happen. Yeah, like no. at all. That Tony Todd was perfect. Um, apparently the same bee handler that worked on My Girl was the same bee handler for <laughs> Candyman. Well, good, good for him. Um, that movie's so sad. Um, yeah. Tony Todd was able to negotiate a one thousand dollar bonus for each of the twenty three bee stings that he received during filming. 
That's amazing. Just a couple fun facts <laughs> for everybody out there. Um, but yeah, that's about it with the first movie. Um, so if you guys that that don't I've remember got... the first movie, basically this woman, just like she said, she's in a university and then she goes to research. Well, and then I gave you the backstory of Candyman and how she right, and then she ran into him, him, and then she runs into him, which is actually kind of cool though. The ending of that one, how she comes back and kills her ex boyfriend. Well, see, she ultimately takes over the lore of Candyman because Cabrini Green believes that she's kind of the savior. Um, Especially after, so there's an incident in the movie where a woman's son is kidnapped and essentially what Candyman is trying to do is sort of reincarnate or bring back his family that he was supposed to have. Because essentially the woman, I think Carolyn or Caroline or whatever that he falls in love with, who is supposed to be kind of like Helen in his eyes and that baby boy that he stole um they basically make it look like helen did it throughout the whole movie um just like in the story a lot of these things start to happen murders things that ultimately are blamed on helen that are Candyman. and um when the baby is found by her Candyman basically tries to uh kill all three of them in this big fire that happens every year in the middle of Cabrini Green. And um, I think, too, that's kind of... I think that's to commemorate where Candyman was murdered, too. Because yeah. that's supposed to, like, be this... Remembrance kind of thing. Uh, or a way to, like, keep him away or something. It's, like, a thing that they do every year. I guess it's supposed to, like, keep him at bay. So he plans it to kill... Well, he's already dead, but to at least burn... Helen and this baby up in the fire. Helen saves the baby by letting herself be burned. She dies. Um, and then later, not only is there like this mural painted of her, where there was originally one painted of Candyman, when her piece of shit ex-husband um, calls her name five times in the mirror, she shows up. And she kills him it's pretty with Candyman's hook. So that's pretty fucking awesome. Also, it's kind of ironic that his new girlfriend finds him dead. And so looks it's like, just like her. So she'll end up getting pinned for it. It's great. It's just amazing. Um, Real quick, though, before we get into the new one, I wanted to talk about Tony Todd because I met him. And it's ironic. Or ironic. It's funny because I didn't know he was there. He's in this movie called Candy Corn. Which was this, I I still need to watch it. He was at Horror Hound promoting it, but nobody knew he was there. And I was rounding a corner going to go see, you know, it was in the vendor room and I was rounding a corner and I went right into him. Like, I literally ran <laughs> right into him. And uh, I looked up and I was like, oh my god, Mr. Todd, I am so sorry. Straight up called him Mr. Todd. <laughs> I was like, oh my oh, god, Mr. I am so sorry. And he, he looked at me and he goes, oh my goodness, it's totally okay. You okay? And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Are you okay? And he's like, I'm actually about to go to lunch. Uh, will I see you when I come back? And I was like, I will plant my feet. 
<laughs> right here and wait. And he laughed. He's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And I was like, oh, I will. And I was like, with my friend at the time. Right and I was like, that was fucking Tony Todd. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, I just, I didn't know he was here. And I just ran into the man. And he was so nice. Gentle giant. He's so Oh, my tall. God. One of his earliest roles is Platoon. And my dad just lent that to me. So I'm glad I know that. So I'm not randomly watching Platoon and going, what the fuck? <laughs> Tony Todd's in Vietnam. Um, <laughs> Well, damn. Yeah. I'd have been like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, nineteen eighty six. That was literally one of his earliest roles that he. That was like the second movie he was ever in. That's fucking crazy. I fucking love that. That was man. a huge movie. Like, God, he is so um, fucking nice. And he's been in. Oh gosh, yeah, he's got a pretty big resume as far as not just the um, Candyman series. He did the Final Destination movies. Um, other series of horror films, television. Yeah. The guy's been acting steadily for almost the last four years. So he follows me on Twitter, which is actually really cool too. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but also I will definitely be meeting him at some point yes. in my life. It will happen. So what do you rate the first one? Um, You know, for me, especially watching it again, and it's strange and I don't even know, like, I get sort of emotional when I watch the first one. And, like, it it's happened to me for a while since I watched it. And I just think it's... He is a very... Especially the way that they get into describing the lore of Candyman in the second one. And even before I saw the second one, I feel like he was always such a tragic figure. Because, now, obviously, you don't really find out his... You well, you do sort of find out his backstory. They sort of dive more into it in the second Candyman. If anybody saw, I honestly haven't seen two or three. Are there four? So there were two one that came out in '95, three years after the original one, and that one actually is the one that goes more into detail about, um uh his history his direct descendant with uh carolyn and that whole thing but um they do go over it in the first one so i feel like it sort of made him um if anybody remembers there's like this dinner scene with helen and her husband and like colleagues of theirs and the guy tells this story about like daniel and and um you know ultimately what happens and um so it sort of always made me see Candyman is this sort of like tragic anti-hero sort of and almost and, and again they play on this in the in the um direct sequel I guess is what they're calling it um that how society as it was then and even now sort of made him and like can you really blame him for what he does like 
I watch Candyman as a revenge film. Or can you, like, right, I right. I mean, it really is. I don't even, like, consider him one of the, you know, when you when you say horror slasher right. or whatever, I don't think of him as that. No, I don't either. Um, because I don't look at him as a killer. I look at him as a victim. Okay, so I love this. Um, Wikipedia actually describes it as a gothic supernatural horror film. I, I love that's that. That's great. That's I think that's a perfect that's way perfect. of describing it. Um, so for me... Because I've always had so much respect for that character. And again, like Casper said, I've never treated him as like a typical slasher character. Um, I'd say out of 10, I'd give the original one um, an 8.5. I was going to go a 7.5, so. Yeah. Yeah. Because the story is fantastic. The effects are fantastic. The cast is fantastic. Everything's just really good. I mean, yeah, there's a few things here and there I could nitpick, but I I give it sort of higher just for me personally. Just there's just something personal that like I connect with deeply with that movie, and I just feel like um, I don't know my own lineage. Being a direct descendant of a slave, it's kind of like when you get into things like that about your own history and then you see movies all but fictional but still have that background it's kind of hard not to play into your own personal history when it comes to things like that especially like just when you know like what he went through and the way he was brutalized simply just because you know that was a really disgustingly ugly time in history where it's like okay yeah Things got better because they aren't like they were then, but how much better did they really get? And, um, you know, they just kind of, they touch on a lot of that in the first one, but then they really, really, really pull it out. And, um, I mean, the fact that we're even having this conversation, did it really get better? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) um, so yeah, I know. Right. Um, yeah, the acting in the first one, though, was just phenomenal. I, I mean, love the cast. I cast. love the cast in the first one. Virginia, I love the cast in this one, too. Virginia Madsen has had a huge, successful career. She's the sister of Michael Madsen from Quentin Tarantino fame. <laughs> He's been in Reservoir Dogs about everything. She's been in Dune and has had a huge career. Uh, Xander Berkeley, who was just more recently in the Walking Dead series, um oh, but he's you. done a bunch of different things um casey lemons who was also in silence of the lamb she directed eve's bayou if you guys remember that That's episode right. that we just did. Yes. Um, i love that ted Raimi was in it i was like oh my god what the fuck? i totally forgot i forgot too. he was i forgot for like half a second i was like what um, <laughs> i was like ted i was like what i i literally forgot um also by the way i should say the original was directed by a um man by the name uh by the name of bernard rose who um actually directed some uh historical romance movies not long after he did candy man so he really didn't have a horror background um he was from the uk as well as clive barker so maybe that could have been why he read the story and maybe was you know inspired to get involved with the movie um 
Oh, apparently he did make an adaptation of uh, Frankenstein. I mean, I always considered Frankenstein horror, so... Yes. That's just me it, personally. Frankenstein is one of those, like, Adam's family, where it's it's horror, but it it's wholesome. Is that a word? You, well, it's, especially... It's, well, no, not even... Not even the original Frankenstein. I never thought of the original Frankenstein as wholesome at all. He killed a little girl at the end. Not wholesome, but what's the word I'm trying to find? Where it's like, it's horror, but it's not horror. It's like an M. Night Shyamalan film. I, okay, horror. yeah, because I was going to say I would not consider it Adam's Family. Because it's not, it's, it's definitely, it's, I mean, I don't know, gothic like Candyman. Because you yeah, feel because sorry. Yeah, because Frankenstein's not for you children. You feel sorry for Frankenstein. And you feel sorry for him. Even... Even at the very end when he kills that little girl, and I think that in some, I think in the original theatrical version that was cut, and I think that wasn't until released later, um, that like this little girl hands him flowers and he doesn't understand and he throws her in the lake and she dies and like he doesn't, and then he gets sad when he realizes what he did, but like he's not a real person. This is something that a doctor created, as we should say frankenstein's monsters who we're referring to because i know people fuck that up frankenstein right. is the name of the doctor that created the monster so essentially we're referring to frankenstein's monster right but anyway um yeah like dr frankenstein essentially created this monster essentially trying to play god and these townspeople come to try to kill him but it's like it's not his fault he was created and we can almost say that about ourselves and it's like this ugly dichotomy where like humans could maybe somehow see themselves in this monster in a way and that's why they want to kill it because it's like a reflection i don't know it's like they're so you this, can look this so, just turned into a therapy session you <laughs> could look so deep into Candyman in very much the same way that you could look deep into frankenstein and i think that that's why those that monster candy man i think that's why those characters are so strange you can't like, yes, those are horror movies, but those characters, even calling him Frankenstein's monster, it's like, is he really a monster, though? Was Candyman really a monster, though? No. They were created it's to like... be what they were. They they were made. They were man. These were man-made. It's like, almost like, what did you expect? It's just like. When man of, made it. <laughs> it's just like the end of Bates Motel. Like, not the movie Psycho, the end of Bates Motel. When you realize why Norman is the way Norman is, and you don't look at him, you feel sorry for him. Because you look at his past, you look at the family he was raised in, and you look at all that shit, and you're like, oh. Oh, right, in a situation like that. It's like, you're just to... extremely, extremely mentally ill. And I don't look at him as a monster. I look at him as a literal child who needs help. Right. You know? You don't... And then his... The whole series just should have been called Poor Dylan. Right. <laughs> just Poor Dylan. Very true. But um, that's exactly how I view him. I've never yeah. in a million... When someone says horror slasher, I never think of Candyman. Because he's not a slasher to me. No, never. I I couldn't agree more. I've always felt the same I've way. never thought that he killed for fun. No. I've never thought that in a million years. There was always a purpose behind it. Um, especially in the first one. Yeah. Like, the connection between, you know, every murder that happened that ultimately was set up to make it look like Helen did it was sort of 
done too because this was wasn't that something you kept saying this is your destiny like yeah this was sort of this was basically it was always what, what you was, helen this was what was supposed to this is ultimately what was going to happen to helen it was mm-hmm. like it, it was it was it was like it was written for this to happen to her and um even more so too like we mentioned the connection between her and uh caroline or carolyn or whatever her name was but um yeah so anyway going into the second one spoilers 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 there we said it five times so that means they're coming just so we don't get anybody out there like well we haven't seen it yet well then you sure to turned it off by now we so we there said you spoilers go. five times so the spoilers you, are it. coming that's it they're coming so um oh lord <laughs> they coming this one was amazing um this movie no. was fucking incredible so i don't under i heard someone say they've seen mixed reviews and i'm like i've never seen anything bad oh i, I have i don't know what you're talking I about <laughs> i read three pretty solid reviews from people not critics but people that like i follow on instagram and uh trust their judgment and it yeah even they were like oh well you could say this and that about the ending maybe but like otherwise there was really nothing that they could say bad about it essentially um so it starts off with this character anthony who is living near one of the gentrified or is living in one of the gentrified buildings near where the old cabrini green projects were he is an artist he's living with his girlfriend the girlfriend's brother now this is the reason why i'm mentioning this is to give context and to how far helen's legend carried after the original story because uh anthony's girlfriend's brother who is an Incredible. Um, um the actor that like plays him is like yeah, I, I just, fucking love him. Wow. He wins. Like <laughs> he just you win all the way around. <laughs> so he starts telling this story about Helen, essentially, but tells it in a way where if you had seen the original movie, you're like, wait, that's not how it happened. But I guess that's how obviously over 30 years the story progressed was that Helen was this white woman that was researching Candyman, went crazy, stole this baby, but then gave the baby back and burned herself. And um, that's how this legend came about. And they were just like, okay, that's a crazy story. Well, then it starts to get more into Anthony's girlfriend, um, Brianna, um, she is an art curator he's an artist also i have had people mention on instagram that are artists themselves that say how this movie really touches closely and on how cutthroat the art world is like how a lot of this the racism the prejudice all that encompassed with just how your work is ultimately manipulated once it's out of your hands well um Anthony is an Anthony is wanting to tap into something different with his art. He decides to visit the old Cabrini Green projects, meets this guy named William that lives there, and he uh William shares more information with him about uh the Candyman story, but how to him Candyman was this old man in the neighborhood who had a prosthetic cook for a hand and he would give candy to the kids. Well, somewhere near the neighborhood 
um, Cabrini Green. He grew up there. Some kids had found razor blades in their candy. Well, he went into hiding, and when William was young, he saw the old man, quote-unquote candy man, come out of the wall and hand him candy, and he screamed. It was just a reaction. The police came in, beat him to death. Beat this man to death. And guess what? Another kid got killed with razor blades and candy. So they knew it wasn't him, but he was one of the people that gave rise to the Candyman story. So we'll, we'll obviously know that's not Daniel Robitaille, but you'll realize where that character comes into play later as far as his role as quote-unquote Candyman. Um, that inspires Anthony to have his art project be centered around this Candyman lore. So again, Brianna's an art curator. She decides to have one of Anthony's pieces in her show that where behind these mirrors is artwork that he painted inspired by this story, but also encompasses the lore of saying Candyman five times in the mirror. Now, what's funny is if you guys remember the original trailer, how they remix the Destiny Child song, Say My Name. And even in the movie, if you've seen the new movie, um, if you haven't already, we said spoilers. But anyway, if you've seen the new movie, how his art project is called Say My Name, because you're supposed to say Candyman five times in the mirror. Well, the original script, the original name that was going on in the script, because obviously they didn't want it to leak that they were making a Candyman sequel, it was called Say My Name. Oh, really? So people thought that they were shooting a movie called Say My Name. Oh, my like, God. Like when the actor got called, the guy that plays Anthony got called for the reading, he thought he was reading for a script called Say My Name. They didn't release till later that this was going to be Candyman. So that was like the secret name. That's so cool. Of what the original script was called. Could you so, imagine if you were working on that and all of a sudden you were like, this is what? <laughs> like this is this is excuse me the fuck like i'm i'm doing what now the fucking candy man sequel right now <laughs> um so that night there was kind of a a blow up between anthony and the girlfriend now mind you prior to that he said candy man five times in the mirror like messing around with his girlfriend but nothing had really happened Oh, no, he's so, weird. Do you remember that? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you did see, like, a quick reflection. But, I mean, it like, nothing different. nothing crazy no. had happened. But, like, if you looked in the it mirror, was awesome. you saw, like, a shadow. You saw, or you saw, like, you half see, of him. Because it was a reflection like a of, silhouette their, of their window. Because he, that's what he was doing. He was saying it in the silhouette of the What? He was saying in the reflection of the window... And then it zoomed in on the window, like you could see him and his girlfriend messing around. But if you looked good enough, you could see Candyman's coat. You could see him. You could see his coat. And I was well, like, like, half of him is what I was trying to say. Like the silhouette of half of him before yeah. you like step behind the curtain or like in the doorway. Mm -hmm. So you could only see in the reflection, not from their point of view. So the actor that plays Anthony, his name is Yahia. Abdul Mateen, I wanted to find a good enunciation of that because I love him and I did not want to fuck his name up because he was brilliant in this movie. Um, Amazing. And Brianna is played by Tiana Paris. Coleman Domingo is 
plays William. He was in uh, Fear the Walking Dead, of all things. Um, I knew who he was by his voice. He's been in other things, too. He's, but, he has um, that voice. Troy, who is incredible, Brianna's brother, is played by Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Um, Tony Todd does make a cameo later. Um, Bitch, I about threw my phone. The <laughs> character... Oh, I knew he was coming, because I, I knew read he somewhere too, he was but... going to be in it, and I was like, okay, he they better. Um, I'm trying to find the name of oh the character that um the man that william was talking about that was killed oh in, um, um sherman i'm sorry sherman, was sherman yep. who became his story of the candy man so after that sure article like, hey, sherman 42 will be wasted um so after that art exhibit, Brianna's like shitty boss. He he gets it because he's like he got called out for some shit. Him and this little intern was trying to make out. He says it five times in the mirror. He gets got by Candyman, and it's fucking awesome, dude. Um, that scene, the effects of the fact that he was only and you could only see him in the reflection. Well, and they do this throughout the whole movie. This is something um, that plays throughout the whole movie that you don't actually, and again, it plays it it, it will all make sense in the end, the way it taps into the lore of the Candyman, that, that name essentially. Absolutely fucking incredible how they did that. So you only, yeah. Just everything. It, the lore, the mirror image thing. So this plays throughout the movie. So he dies. And then all of a sudden, like, Anthony's artwork starts blowing up. But then that's when he starts noticing Candyman. Also, towards the beginning of the movie, which I thought this was another interesting nod to the original, um, is his hand was, he was bent on his hand, right hand, mind you. Artist, again, remember, Danny Robitay. Uh, he was bit on his right hand by a bee, and this hand progressively through the whole movie. I'm like, sir, you should have gone to at least urgent care or put some needles <sighs> on that shit. It, what it, it the fuck? So it was bad. like necrotized at 45 minutes into the fucking movie. It was I was like, hey, your arm is dead, um, sir. Your this, arm is it was dead. too much. So anyway, like throughout the progression of the movie, this shit is happening. He starts seeing Candyman. His artwork starts going off the rails. Just shit is going crazy. He meets with this art curator that sort of was really judgy of him when she came to see his piece originally, but now all of a sudden she's, like, interested in it. Um, she was a bitch. She gets killed by Candyman. Now, what's so crazy is Anthony sees him in the mirror and leaves and then she's killed and again it's in a way where it's like you don't see him but if you saw the movie you get what we're saying because if i try to describe it it's just gonna I, i'm not gonna give i'm i'm just not it's so i'm really not gonna do it justice like she's she's pulled into the air there's blood everywhere the way she's killed. like you know candy man's doing it but you don't see him so it's Fucking, it's bloody, it's incredible, it's amazing. The best way and to again, describe it's, it, have you seen Lights Out? You only see the creature. That's what I'm saying, you don't lights. see him. Yeah, it's the same thing. You can only see him in a reflection. Right. If you're not looking in a reflection, you don't see him. At all. So, um, after that is when the girlfriend, Brianna, finds his... Because I think she starts... Because he had a... She... He goes to this dinner with her 
finds out that the woman was murdered, gets up and leaves, she realizes that he just met with her and is like, what the fuck is going on? And she finds his art and sees that he's been painting all of these different iterations of Candyman. And she's like, I'm going to say it. He breaks the mirror, freaks out. She's like, stay away from me. She goes, stay there, stays at her brother's house. He goes and talks to William again. I think this is either before or after he goes to the hospital. Because at some point he does go to the hospital. But he goes Finally. and talks to William again. And I'm pretty sure it's after. Because I think he had the, the bandage on the his bandage hand. The bandage on his hand. Is when he finds out about um, um, Daniel. Daniel and what happened in Cabrini. And... So when he gets his hand bandaged up, he finds out that he's born in that hospital, which he thinks is really crazy because his mother always told him he was born on the other side of Chicago, not that close to Cabrini Green. That's when he starts putting some shit together. And when he goes and visits his mom, this is when it's like, oh my fucking God, this is, I can't believe this is what they did. So if you guys saw the first movie, and you remember the story of Helen taking the little baby from the woman um, that was originally supposed to be murdered by Candyman with her, with Helen or whatever. That baby was taken by a woman named Anne Marie. Anthony is the baby from the first movie. When he goes and visits his mother and you realize it's Anne Marie from the original movie, now you know who Anthony is. Same actress. Hasn't aged. Vanessa... Williams is Estelle Williams, sorry, you know, completely different Vanessa Williams from the singer, but still looked amazing, still looked exactly the same, hasn't aged a day, looked incredible. And that's when she basically tells him, like, I didn't want you to know, but yeah, Candyman chose you. It was like he chose you, and I did everything I could to try to stop it, but you know, obviously that didn't work. Um, also, what I thought was interesting, too, now prior to this, when Anthony finds out about Helen and goes to the school and finds her reports and um, some recordings she had done, those recordings that he's listening to in the movie are original um, recordings that Virginia Madsen came back and recorded just for this movie. That's fucking awesome. So you're hearing her voice. Her actual voice. Now, that wasn't anything that was featured from the movie. That was recordings that she came back and did so there could be a voiceover specifically for the film. So it's just all these little things that I'm so glad that they included so much of the original cast and the original storyline. Because, you know, if you watch the original movie, I think maybe subliminally or maybe not so much in the back of people's heads... They were like, where, whatever happened to little baby Anthony? Whatever happened to this baby? Whatever and... happened to baby Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, for him to, just the whole correlation of his mom trying to protect him and then him being an artist. The hand, the whole thing coming back to Caprini Green and being inspired by this story and realizing that he has this direct connection to it. Um... I think, so once Brianna, um, also his girlfriend has a really unfortunate past. She witnessed her father's suicide. So she's got a lot of things, you know, mentally that she's dealing with. But ultimately, 
she starts to realize something's going on and she finds out about William and goes to, because she's been looking for Anthony, nobody can find him. Um, she goes to look for William and, uh, oh my God, this is one of the best parts in the whole fucking movie. In his, William works at this laundromat around the corner. So when she goes to look for him in this back office of the laundromat, she opens this door and it's this dark stairwell into this basement and she goes, nope, and shuts the door. <laughs> and let me tell you, if that's not one of the most original things I've ever seen a black person do, if they were by themselves, you're like, uh-uh, no, I'm not going down those steps to investigate. Well, unfortunately, a door locks behind her. She gets attacked. And that's when you realize it was William that attacked her. So, I love that, that they did that in the first one, too. When uh, Virginia... Or Helen. And Helen's her character, yeah. And she opens the thing and she's like, oh, I'm going to go in here. And her friend's like, bitch. <laughs> she's like, yeah, don't want to stay here. Like, I'm going to stay right the fuck she's here. She's like, I'm just going to sit here and wait. And I was like, yep. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what would that's happen. That's what would happen. Like, you go investigate. Because if, if that was like, us, that'd be 100%. I'd like, I'm going to stay right here. I'd be like, oh, this looks fun. I'm going to go in here. And you're going to be like, yeah, okay, well, I'll be this your This empty hole in... The you have fucking fun. Nothing. Have fun with that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So, ultimately, what you find out is that William's goal is to use. He wants. To, he he sort of feels like Anthony coming back to Cabrini Green is a symbol of that that Anthony was meant to come back. Because ultimately, he needs to be the new Candyman to keep the legend going. That Candyman has now become an instrument. The way it's described, and I, I had to find this because I love the way that says this. That ultimately, Candyman has become an instrument of vengeance rather than a symbol of black pain and suffering. So, essentially, William wants to make Anthony a part of the new legend to carry on Candyman's spirit. Like, that's that's what he believes what needs to happen, is that Candyman, the spirit of Candyman, needs to survive because he was essentially created out of black pain and suffering. Um, and I, I just... It, it, it's like it was, it was crazy and it was poignant all in the same time. It was like you you to a certain extent understood what William was doing, but then to another extent, you didn't understand what he was doing. And you just, it, it it's like, honestly, I was kind yeah. of sitting there just kind of like, I get it. You know, I don't, I don't, because William, William kind of explained it in a way where he's basically like, this is still happening. So, he's carrying on the tradition because it's still happening. What happened to Daniel back in the 18 fucking hundreds is still happening today. It never stopped. And I think in William's eyes, if it wasn't going to be Anthony, it was going to be somebody. Mm -hmm. Because even after, uh, William tells a story too, I almost forgot about this, that after Sherman died, it didn't stop. When William's little sister or older sister said Candyman five times in the mirror. It was Sherman who came back and killed his little sister. So 
he said, it doesn't matter what we do. Somebody will always come back to keep this going because it's like Candyman. It's not about the person. It's not about Daniel. It's not about Sherman. It's not even about you. It's that this was created out of the pain and suffering that every black person has gone through in Cabrini Green out of the out of just the, the suffering of this neighborhood and out of rise of everything, racism, violence, all drug, drugs, all of it. So um, essentially by this point, the infection has completely taken over Anthony. He cuts Anthony's right arm off, replaces it with a hook, has by now called the police. Um, in the midst of all of this, Brianna is able to get free. William goes and chases after her through the tunnels they end up in one of the abandoned homes in Cabrini Green. She stabs him. By this time, um, Anthony appears. Anthony dies in her arms. When the cops get there, I mean, he was basically near death. The cops get there and shoot Anthony. They arrest her. They've got her in the back of the car. And this is pretty fucking great. This cop is just being a, you know, a cop. Oh, a crooked one, unfortunately. I, you know, again, this is a very sensitive, sensitive subject, and I don't want to generalize. And look, I'm a black person in this country. I've had very positive run-ins with police. I've had very negative run-ins with police. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's just one bad apple when really the whole juxtaposition of it is the whole system is fucking broken and it has been broken for a long time and um you know there was a really poignant scene in this movie that i don't mean poignant in a good way i just mean poignant in the fact that this is a really ugly reality of what of how intimidating and disgusting this cop was being to her and she flipped it and said it was uh, so great. can you can i see myself in the mirror and it was he a was rear like... view mirror. He's like, huh? <laughs> and she's like, well, I'll just say whatever you want. And he flipped the fucking mirror. And she did you said, do what I did when she said that? And I was like, oh, I knew it was. Because I was like, I oh, smiled I knew real big. I was like, I know what she was going to do. I knew immediately. Everybody, if you, were, if you were sitting there in the theater, you knew what was coming at this point. She said, Candyman five times, boom. Uh, the Candyman as Anthony comes back, kills the cops. Um, but the way it was done was incredible. It was like these flurry of bees. And then you would see him in moments where he would kill the cops, but then it would be this flurry of bees again. And Brianna gets free. She starts running. And when she encounters Anthony, the he disappears into the flurry of bees. And there is Tony Todd's fucking cameo. It comes back as Daniel... And basically telling her that tell everyone, like, don't let this message die of who I am. Because I think what William essentially wanted Candyman to be is not what Daniel wanted him to be. Or even Anthony, or just what any iteration of Candyman is supposed to be. It's not out of vengeance. It's not out of the suffering it's out of vengeance like have him go after the ones that need to be gone after these fucking crooked cops these people that are trying to take over these neighborhoods the 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 you know don't let this be a symbol of suffering anymore let's have candy man you know it's terrible that 
Anthony had to be the one. So I think in some people's eyes, they would think William was crazy, but I don't think they understood that it, it even sort of Hawkins ba harkens back to what Anthony's mom told him, you know, he chose you. It's like, whether you like it or not, for better or for worse, when you were a baby, when he took you and Helen tried to save you, that was Candyman choosing you to keep the the legacy of him going 30 years later. Like, we're not going to let this die because whereas in the first movie, and see, that kind of goes along with the first movie too. Like, whereas in the first movie where he came out of suffering. I mean, if you think about it, the whole story with the white woman and the whole thing, slavery and the whole thing that came out of suffering, the, the suffering around Cabrini green and that time and everything else that was going on. And now 30 years later, keep the Candyman name going, but not out of suffering out of vengeance. So yeah, because that's what he should be. And Again, it, it it takes me back to what, well, even what Casper and I both were saying is that we've never saw him as a traditional slasher. He's always been sort of this, like, anti-hero. And I think that the end of this one, like, really solidified that, that that's essentially what Candyman is. I love someone on Twitter was like, that, that five-second cameo sent me. And I was like... Oh, I was so happy. Yeah. I was like, I was, so I was, all, I was like, I was kind of smiling throughout the entire after, right after she said, "Can I see myself in the mirror?" I kind of started smiling and just smiled for the rest of the movie. Um, I knew it, and then when he showed so up, I was happy. like, "It's Tony Todd." <laughs> that cameo sent me too. So it sent me very much, but I loved, I loved the guy who played Anthony. He 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 did such an amazing job. He was an amazing actor, and he's also gorgeous. So yes, his girlfriend, very nice butt. His girlfriend, um, gorgeous too. Uh, very nice butt on both of them. Um, yes, on his butts. Uh, <laughs> I'll just around. have I'll just have so, a, I'll just have those butts, please. <laughs> what would you rate this one? The cameos even putting it up there higher for me just because of the way that they did it because I love that it wasn't I just I love how they made it where it wasn't about a person how it right. was about the legacy and how and it's not that the first Candyman wasn't like that but it wasn't it, it made it kind of solely about the person and this movie like really brought it out as the legacy, like literally the last two lines of the fucking film is tell everyone. Yep. And I just, I love how they did that. And I love that it was Tony Todd doing it. And I love yep. that whenever Jordan Peele writes a fucking movie, also hands, hats off to Nia DaCosta because fucking Christ, that was amazing. But when Jordan Peele writes a movie, he goes, I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. This needs to be talked about. This needs to be said. This needs to be shown. It's uncomfortable. But we've endured... I'm saying we've, not me. Have it, Black people have unfortunately endured this for fucking years. And seeing this on the screen is new. Like, I've never seen anything like it. And I can't speak for them. But I can't imagine what it's like to finally see something like that. So... I love how Jordan Peele writes things that make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Racism is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. 
Police brutality is uncomfortable. Yep. These are really uncomfortable fucking things. But they happened. They are continuing to happen. And you can't just not talk about it. And I think also to give more praise to Jordan Peele, he does it in a way that's not like... It's not distasteful. It's not sensationalized. It's not thrown in your face, but it's done in a way that it pertains to the story. He's still getting the message across to you because the message at the end of the day is important. I mean, he did it in Get Out, he did it in Us, and he mm -hmm. did it in this one. The messages are very important, but they're also contextual to the story. So you need them as a part of the storyline, but they also get you to think which is what we all need to do. These things are not going to go away anytime soon as much as we would love them to and as much as we're fighting for them to. You know, none of this stopped after last year. The, the, the marches aren't going to stop. The, the posts aren't going to stop. The donations aren't going to stop. There are still people out there that are going to be screaming Black Lives Matter to the top of their lungs because they do. And these should still be put in context and movies, TV shows, music, in any way, shape, or form that the message to be given out, no matter how uncomfortable it makes people feel, because it is. And until it's something that we can get over the uncomfortableness and all come together and talk about, it needs to be out there. And I love how Jordan Peele is doing it in these movies, especially in horror, goddammit. He's doing <laughs> it in Black horror films. Like, that was the most important thing to me, even going back to the first one, was how important as a black girl to see Candyman as a black lead black horror character. Like, again, not in the same league of slashers as Freddy and Jason and Michael or whatever, but like name is still up there. He was a lead in not only one, but two, three, now four feature length movies. So he has spanned a horror, a bleed black horror film character splant or uh, bleh, i got so passionate i couldn't find the fucking i was like she's in this like, speech so hard it it spawned a horror series like Candyman spawned a a legacy like you know you've got nightmare you've got halloween you got Candyman. like it's not just one movie it spawned a series that spawned a legend, that spawned this character that even now this movie relates just as much as the first one did 30 years ago with what it had to say to what this one has to say now. And big props to Nia DaCosta too. Please don't, you know, Jordan Peele did, was part of the writing process in this movie, but please don't let props be taken away from Nia DaCosta. Highest grossing single black female director of any movie. She deserves her props. This movie grossed half of what the original budget over half of what the 25 million dollar budget is now close to 53 million dollars it's gross this movie's number it's been one out, what two weeks yeah number one in the fucking box office i think still it, it just this movie is deserves everything that's been getting nothing but positive praise from critics from critics guys that never happens with horror film series and it just gives more to what jordan peele is doing to black horror and just in, in his production company, Monkey Paul, like, give it up to fucking Jordan Peele. I'm, 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 I cannot, I just, every time I see something 
with his name attached to it, it's like fucking James Wan now. If I see <laughs> yep. the name attached to it, I'm fucking seeing it sight unseen. I don't even have to I see don't a, need trailer. a trailer. I don't need to know. I just know. Oh, Jordan Peele. Oh, James Wan. Got you. <laughs> like, boom. Done. I don't care. I'm seeing it. Like, I don't he, care. Jordan Peele is changing the game. He is changing the fucking game. And again, James Wan is too, but Jordan Peele, more importantly, and I'm screaming at the top of the lungs, I'm black, and it's, it's I'm all about black, blackity black, black. Uh, Jordan Peele is setting the bar with black horror. He is, he is, he's, he's killing it. He's, he's set, he's pushing it. He's, he's pushing the bar so far, but not only that, it's opening doors because there are black filmmakers out there that not only want to make black films, they want to make black horror films because there is an audience and not just black people, all people, all people. You know, that that audience, when we went to go see it that night, um, the new one, like it was a total mixed bag. And um, that's rare. I loved it though. It oh, was no, very it, rare, I but it was it. incredible. Like, I there love were white that. people, black people, Hispanic kids, families, like, and, and the parts I loved was it was just like Get Out, because I saw Get Out in theaters. It's like when, when it got uncomfortable, the audience got real quiet. <laughs> the shit that went down with the cops, everybody got Everybody real got real, real quiet. All of a sudden, everybody, all of a sudden, you could have heard a fucking pin <laughs> drop. Because that is a hot fucking mm -hmm. topic right now. Again, like what I said, and, and I'll even say it, you know, and I don't want to get too much into it, but... You know, it, it's, I'm not going to say it's one bad apple. Cause like I said, have I, have I personally encountered good cops? Yes. Have I encountered bad ones? Fuck yes, I have. And it's the whole system as a whole. And you need to touch on these things fictionally and non-fictionally. If you're ever going to have these conversations to start bringing about a change. And again, if it's done in the right way and contextualizes the story, it, it, it's perfect and that's exactly what Jordan Peele did in this movie and he's done in his previous films and um, this one just blew me out of the fucking water this movie literally blew me out of the water like not only was it such a great reboot remake direct sequel whatever the fuck you want to call it because I've seen those in previous series and some of them are okay some of them are like yeah that's great Halloween some of them are not that some of them are fucking awful Halloween 2018 um, was brilliant yeah they, they, so it was almost like they followed that where they were like, the first one's the only one that exists. The rest of them don't. Let's make a direct sequel from the first one. But even it, and they, it, they kind of did it just like it too, because they brought back the same actors and yes. that's, and, and not only did they do that, they just, there's not much you can do with Halloween. It's a man stalking somebody. There's not right. much of a story it's, you can do right there. There's some that you can do with the backstory right. and of this, the family. And this story that not, they did yeah. with this, it was so fucking perfect. Awesome. There was nothing they could have done, nothing better that they could have done. That was literally the best. So considering all of that, I give this movie a nine. Me too. Easily. And the only one of the biggest reasons why I give it so much higher than the original is because Maybe of all of that Maybe even a nine point five. I could even go as far as a nine point five. I could for do right that. now. I'm gonna do a solid, just nine, solid nine yeah, for now. Because most yeah. of it is as a white person seeing stuff like that. I cannot speak for black people, but I love seeing it. I love seeing it. I love seeing that they're finally getting some representation. Like when we went to see us. 
<laughs> when they showed Elizabeth, fucking Elizabeth Moss, I swear, her and the guy she was with and they were being very typical white people drinking wine and being fucking insane. Very I was like, do you know how nice it is to see the white people being stereotyped? And you looked at me and you were like, you know you're white, right? Very nice. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm very aware, but it's nice to see white people being stereotyped because you never see that. You see black people stereotyped all the time. You see gay people stereotyped all the time. You see this and that stereotype, but you never see just straight white people stereotyped. Well, because it's like everything else that's, it's like because white people have made minorities commodities. Yeah. Especially in horror. So, I mean, have you seen the Friday the 13th series? Black people could be a commodity, gay people could be a commodity because white was the norm. White was the norm. So, when you flip that, where black people are the norm, but white people are the commodity, then yay. Even though <laughs> it's like about we fucking time because we steal everybody else's. <laughs> um, that's man, so I love that part um, in Candyman. Love that part where they were like, oh, that uh, Daniel, or not Daniel, William. William was like, oh, you know how they like our stuff, but they don't like us. I was even like, yep. I said, preach. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> you can steal so much of the culture, but not like the people. We want the culture, but we want nothing to do with it. I know people. this. Much. I just told a cousin of mine the other day, like we were talking about rock music, and I said essentially all rock music comes from black music. And there's nobody that's going to tell me anything any different. You look at the roots of rock music, and it all came from black music, even from the instrumentation to the style of music is all black music. Elvis, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones' name is from a Muddy Water song. So, like, it's, it all is. So, you know, about time we got our props where they need to be due. Also, so, I love Jordan Peele's new movie poster. is just, nope. It's like all the way nope. We have absolutely no fucking idea what it's about. It's just Jordan Peele. Done. Kiki Palmer's in it. Steven Yen is in it. And it's called Nope. <laughs> I'm like, done. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like when me and you and Danielle were talking about Malignant. And they were like, oh, the yeah. creator of The Conjuring and yeah. Saw. And I was like, oh, James Wan. I don't care. I don't need a trailer. And I'm, I was the same way with fine. that one, too. Yeah, yep. exactly. So from here on out, anything with those two, with either one of those names attached, I'm... I don't really need any other context. Good. I'm going to see it. Honestly, I think Nia DaCosta is kind of in that now. Oh, Anything for sure. That she does, I'm, I'm just going to... I was so impressed. So I was well incredibly done. impressed. Well, and then also, I kind of love to, you know, I thought about it later, kind of the connection with um, Casey Lemon being one of the only central, besides Tony Todd, one of the only central black characters in the original Candyman story who later herself went on kind of in the same way Jordan Peele did, was a black actress, but then went on to become a black director and a black female director of all things. And 
she did black horror. She did two black horror features. Um, so I kind of love to take to the, all of the evolution of the first one, even from Casey going on to being a black female director and now the new Candyman having a black female director and Nia stepping in. It's just, it, it, it just all of it from the, the first one, every bit of it from the story, the characters, even little nuances, it flowed directly into this new one absolutely perfectly it was it's just perfection is there something there no you don't have anything on your arm i felt like i just got bit what the fuck <laughs> no you didn't it's a bee sting <laughs> it is a bee oh shit <laughs> we've said it's on your right arm too <laughs> bitch get out of my house it's fine i'm white he'll come after me <laughs> <laughs> no she's one of the good ones no Please. <laughs> she said no. <laughs> Any of the go after the bad ones, not the good ones. We need the good ones. Please. I do my best. Please. My best. Best. <laughs> my best. Okay, guys. Uh best. This, this was fun. I'm I was so excited to talk about this. I was just excited to see this movie, period. Guys, if you remember these trailers, we were supposed to see it last year. It was supposed and to be on your birthday last I, year. And that's because, yeah, the beginning of 2020, that was like the one thing I was like, oh shit, the new Candyman's going to come out on my birthday. And now, like, and everything's then, hitting. No, and I'm like, and now, I don't like, have time. everything's coming out at the same fucking time. Nighthouse, like, have you seen the. Well, Malignant is coming out Friday, and I'm going to be out of town. So, like, that's, that's just going to have to fucking wait. I was about to be like, you want to go see it? You did! And I was like, bitch, I can't. <laughs> well, then we have that. We have this cabin paid that for new <laughs> show from Mike Flanagan. Yeah. And then we have Chucky next month. Halloween yes. Kills comes out next month. They were doing a marathon over the weekend. Where was, was Sci-Fi. Yeah, Sci-Fi Channel. I was like, is that cold to leave the TV on? Leave it on. <laughs> I forget I was doing a Richter something on and I was like, he, oh my God. The other day, I think it was like last week, a school bus, something happened with the school bus that pissed him off when he was coming home. Oh my God. And he was like, and he was like, man, fuck them kids. And I fucking lost. Man, fuck that kid. Immediately. (laughs) You can't. You can't say fuck that kid or fuck them kids around me with me without me imme- immediately. Well, of it's, course. It's and it's the cold. way that she says it. Man, fuck that kid. That movie is... Oh, I'm sorry. I beg to differ with anybody that didn't like Curse. Even with Curse... Okay, I could... Fine. Maybe even with some little things with Curse. I'm sorry this is turning into a Chucky rant for half a second. Only because I'm such an OG <laughs> Chucky fan and Colton Curse made me so fucking happy. I know and I I'm so like, happy yeah. I got you to watch them. Thank you. Um, you We could nitpick Curse till the cows come home, but Colt was... Man, you got to suck titty today. Oh my god. <laughs> Colt was incredible honestly so, cults like my favorite besides the it, original mine too that's why i'm saying i'll i'll argue and especially because we'll everybody's in it cult. everybody's in it and i love that he's making the the the, the series and everybody's in it and he's well, even keeping the story with tiffany and uh 
Well, you know, and and Nika. dare I say that Cult of Chucky almost sort of did what this Candyman did in a weird way. Like, yeah. keeping the name brought of the everybody legends together. going, brought all of the original characters back together, sort of expanded on the original story and kind of wove all of them together and flowed into this last movie. I mean, it, I don't know. I just, and I'm, I'm a 90s kid. So any 90s horror that they reboot but do it well, I'm all in favor of. Otherwise, leave it the fuck alone. I had somebody so, ask me today. They were like, is Halloween 2018 good? And I was like, 100% yes. Yes. 100%. I 100% yes. am so fucking excited for Halloween Kills. And it's very yes. rare for me to be excited for another fucking movie in a franchise of 1700 right. but i'm so fucking excited for halloween kills i saw a trailer for it when we went to see Candyman and holy mother fucking of god like i it 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 oh, it looks so good and if next year halloween ends i feel like it's going to be like the most epic of epic i feel like it's going to be absolutely fucking insane and then after this i want them to be done and yes yeah. after that i'm not going to get excited anymore. i don't want to be like please fucking stop please no please stop Let's stop doing this. Stop. stop. Anyway. <laughs> stop. Anyway. <laughs> get some help. <laughs> no more. Do, do like, Malignant is a whole new concept. The Night House is getting amazing reviews. Whole new concept. There's a movie called Antlers coming out in October that we've been waiting for for almost two fucking years. That's about a Wendigo, but it's actually a Skinwalker coming so out. So in, in the last couple of years, I have seen a turn... Yes. Lower, not counting 2020 because it didn't happen, but especially like <laughs> it's we've seen such a turn in what don't in, forget in, about in originality. Though. We're seeing a turn in originality because host, horror. host, well, host it. it was the only highlight of 2020, and then the rest of the year didn't happen. Um, <laughs> it's it's like literally didn't happen. We had like three good months of 2020, and that was about it. It, it really, it, there have been a new crop of these original horror films that are really starting to set a bar, and that has made me as a horror fan very happy. We just need more. I just want to, I, I want to keep this going. What's happening right now, when we went to see Spiral, it started, and then Candyman, I'm like, fucking yes. Yeah. Keep this up. Keep this going. Keep making good and shit. And I liked Spiral too. I think that was a Spiral lot more mixed. Spiral was good. I think that was kind of harder for people at the time, and I could see why it was more mixed. I I think that was one where like it was a very personal. You either personally really liked it or personally didn't like it and just ripped it to shreds. Um, for it to pull from the original Saw series, I thought was very interesting, and I thought it was very well done for the way that it was done with the cast of characters they that they had to do it but this one yeah blew it out of the fucking water yep. to take from an original series to now it it killed it killed it completely set the bar so um amazing i'm excited Truly to see amazing. what more is happening with horror we're, we're getting some good stuff coming out even just this year just for the rest of this i'm gonna need ari aster really to get happy. on it for his next one i'm gonna need you i'm gonna need you to hurry the fuck up can you in the next couple of years i think we're going to start to see even more yep we've got more coming so the more things start to die down with covid i, I think that'll also start to make a big we do have to take that into consideration there are there are still films being halted and things happening but once that starts to, 
I've been hearing shit about this new Robert Pattinson Batman. Apparently, this is supposed to be like a horror movie version of Batman, and the ending is going to blow people out of the water, but everybody keeps getting a bid. So we don't know when the fuck this shit's going to come Didn't out. Didn't Robert get it? He got it. Everybody yeah, fucking got it. They had to shut down production again. The so whole we don't know thing. what the fuck's like. Literally, I think the whole cast at this point has had it. <laughs> so the cast and the crew, everybody's fucking had it. So they're just like, okay, we all have immunity now. <laughs> this is base. We're safe. Can we just get this fucking movie made? Can we know? just finally fucking finish this film? Good God. Because what I've been hearing about it, it's straight up Batman as a horror film. And I'm like, excuse me? Well, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> sign me the fuck because up, Because I'm all in. I love Batman. I'm I love Batman. Same. Batman is my favorite And then you DC say horror character. and Batman, you got me. You won me over. Mooted by it. Totally happy. Totally happy. Anyway. So, guys, that it concludes our Candyman episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't seen the new film and we just ruined the entire film for you, doesn't matter. Go we see said it. spoilers five times. We did. We did. And they appeared. So, <laughs> there. Uh, also, if you say Candyman in your mirror five times, I don't know what will happen. That's on you. <laughs> We're not responsible for anything. Candyman on you. Candyman on your cow. Candyman on your cow. Pops in my head. Candyman on your cow. Because it cracked me up when I said Candyman. Candyman on you. I thought it. Candyman on your cow. I thought in my head I said it out loud. God, I'm so, I'm still so fucking upset that she's gonna be it. Mother City. Mm. Anyway, so guys, next week we will be discussing the crazy case of John Benet Ramsey. That name should ring bells in everybody's ears. That is a, That was a giant phenomenon. Do, 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 do. That happened. What? When was that? What year was that? Now, see, I I was young, but I. I was younger, but I remember, I remember it enough it because people were just going on and on and on everywhere. Oh yeah. my god, it was everywhere. It was everywhere it for was. years. I mean, it still is in the public eye. People, um, it was 1996. Okay, so, well, I was three, so maybe I'm just remembering when I was older. People talking. Well, about I was it. around 11 or 12, so yeah, I remember because it was like right before. It was like 94 was the O.J. Simpson trial, and then mm-hmm. two years later this happened. So it was just kind of crazy, because I was like 9 and 11, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, what are my parents yelling about? Like, what, <laughs> what are my parents yelling about? <laughs> what are they yelling about no. now? No, but it wasn't like that. <laughs> it was just something like you were hearing your parents talk about it, and you'd hear that like so funny, your parents' though. friends talk about it. <laughs> what are they yelling about now? God. Um, but, you know, again, guys, we know we've made a point of saying that we don't like to do things that talk about children specifically. And there have been a few times where we've had some subject matter in our true crime episodes where we have unfortunately had to mention minors. Um, we truly, we truly try not to go into the, you know, really difficult parts of these cause these were real people and we don't like to talk about kids at all. That's why there are certain things we won't delve on, but we feel like this one because it's still so much in the public eye and because we have our own personal opinions of it that are so deep. And I think a lot of people still do, even until this day. And this was just one of those cases that was so crazy. And to this day, they don't know who did it. And to me, to be quite honest, unless somebody does like a deathbed confession, they are never going to find out what happened to this girl. Um, you know, we're not going to get into the whole ugliness and every disgusting minute detail of how she was murdered. Everybody already knows 
everybody already knows how it happened. We're just going to mention it very briefly, but then we're really going to delve more into the botched crime scene, the parents, the brother, other relatives, other suspects. Just this case over the last 30, almost 30 years has been absolutely insane and still to this day touches people. They can't sell that fucking house. They even tried changing the address like they did at the Amityville house. Right. And they still can't sell that house. This is like in a really affluent neighborhood of Colorado and they cannot sell that house. It's like, it's like, like there was yeah, just this whole, no. it was like, you know, and that's another thing too. When we get into the story of it, it's almost like there's just bad juju associated to that house. Cause there was just bad juju surrounding this whole family. And even yep. afterwards, it's like, everything was just really, there was just a lot going on. And I'm just, again, we are not, because we know about kids as a sensitive subject matter. We really try not to talk about it. We are not going to get into the brutality of what happened to Jamine. She was a six year old child, you know. We're not going to get into all of that. Everybody knows what happened. But just the story, it's like, it's still so ingrained in everybody's head. And again, it's uns these unsolved ones, you know, we're, we're still touching on that subject matter. These ones where it's like, who did this? And again, in my opinion, I honestly think now with as long as it's been and just with the way everything was botched that I honestly think it would be like a deathbed confession. Probably. I would imagine. Yeah. So. Somebody's literally going to be on their deathbed and then confess. And like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm dying anyway. Find out who did it. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that's justice. But anyway, um, that will be a very interesting episode. So next week's probably going to be a little heavy. So just prepare for that. These true crime ones always are. Oof. So yeah. Oof. That's why we try to Grab get a you pumpkin spice latte. Pre, we try to get nestle. you prepared Grab as much as possible. <laughs> Too many <laughs> Prepared with pumpkin. Prepare with pumpkin I spice I just lattes. Spit. I just spit everywhere. It's okay, same. I think I probably spit on my computer screen and I'm all the way over here. All right, guys. Well, you know the usual. We have our socials at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO Podcast. The handles are DFWTO8811. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Spotify. <laughs> you Spotify. <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to leave a review. Give us five stars or give us one. You know, if, if you give us one, please explain why. I hate when people give someone one star and then just don't say anything. Really, the explanations are hilarious. I love too. it. So even I love if you it. give us one star, please leave an explanation because the explanations are funny. I'm waiting for someone to give us one star because I can't pronounce anything. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for someone to be like, this bitch can't read. Honestly, I can't. <laughs> I don't give a Shouldn't fuck. Shouldn't make fun of the illiterate. How about that? No. <laughs> what does illiterate mean? I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Um, I was joking. I know. I, I know. I know you were. I want to make Just sure in case there's people out there like, wait a minute. No. I know she, what illiterate means. Yes. Um, anyway, so guys, have a great week. Be safe. Go see Candyman. Go yes. see Malignant this weekend. Yes, if you can. Because James won. That's the only reason. I'll be in a cabin in the woods for the weekend. Um, be careful. Yeah. If Liam Neeson. Well, I'm not going to go by, Neeson. I'm not going to go by myself. I mean, if Liam Neeson shows up, that'd be awesome. I meant to say Chris Hemsworth, but I said That would Liam. be awesome too. <laughs> you meant to say Liam Hemsworth. 
and then, but it was supposed to be Chris, Chris. Hemsworth, but it just came out Liam. Chris Neeson. was gonna come out Liam Hemsworth, but came out Liam Neeson. And honestly, if all three of them showed up, I wouldn't mind it at all. You're like, you know what? All three, just fucking all three. But you know who would even be greater? Sigourney Weaver. Out of fucking nowhere, Sigourney Weaver shows up, and we're all like. Oh my god, baby We're mama. We're gonna need three pizzas. Baby mama, when she goes, ha <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch that again. Anyway. So good. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with, with the, the original. original. No way. Where's the stop? What was that? <laughs> I said, okay, bye. Oh, okay. But it came out, oh, my. <laughs>